0: A chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win and if we
1: to lose We don't someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. And this week we have Ryan Davis on the pod. And Well, you know if you're on Cubs Twitter, you know Ryan Davis well. He, uh, of course, runs Locked on Cubs and does a daily podcast about the Cubs. It's really good. Um, He contributes to The Athletic and Bats Chicago and a few other places. A little bit of work on Cubs Insider. Uh, He's very knowledgeable about the Cubs, of course, and we talk a lot about the Cubs' recent quality play. Uh, We talk about Javi Baez's base running the day before he stole home, so that was pretty good timing. A little bit about the Dexter Fowler situation in St. Louis, and at the end, a little bit about um, blockbuster movies that are out this summer. So here is Ryan, who you can follow on Twitter, at Davis. Here is Ryan. The Cubs are on a five-game winning streak now. They won today against the Tigers. After a week and a half ago, a five-game losing streak, but now they seem to be back where they were before that losing streak, so... How do you feel about how the Cubs are playing right now?
0: Well, uh, it's been good. Uh, I was expecting that the letdown game was on the way Uh, after scoring 10 or more runs, four days in a row. I kind of, you know, a little hyperbole. I was thinking today's a good day to get shut out, isn't it? Um, And, and early on, it looked like he was back to the, you know, the teetered hotter Cubs, the, you know, they, they were on their way back down from scoring a ton of runs every game and they uh, they had that ugly, I think it was second inning, where they loaded the bases, and then Jason Hayward had that awful at bat where he watched Almora walk on four straight pitches, and then swung at a high fastball and popped it up, and then you know they didn't score any runs. They thought, well, that, that's it. They were you know teeter tottering back to the Cubs that don't score, but they did. They they brought out five runs and scratched across just enough to win and. I mean, that that's what you have to do when you're not going strong, like they were the last four games where you're just scoring a ton of runs, just have to find a way to score enough runs to win those games. And you're just going to be in really good shape.
1: Yeah. And it was another, you know, especially the first inning for Kyle Hendricks, it was a little shaky. He had some bad luck in this game with like the blooper that fell in and stuff, but he's had some really rough first innings and I'm, I'm not sure why that is.
0: Uh, well, lately, I, I, I can't speak to every first inning, but lately it's been a command issue. Uh, his his velocity has been fine. Uh, and really, a, a command issue is something that I would hope that it'd be even easier for him to solve. Uh, I don't know if it's just coming out early, he's struggling to get a feel for the ball like right away, that kind of thing. And, and again, I'm not trying to diagnose here, but uh, when I think of a pitcher that's struggling to get a feel for the ball early. I think of like numbness in the fingers or like a blister, but we haven't heard anything on that front. And you know, there are writers that are in there every day with these guys and see these guys every day. Hendricks is a guy who's always been very honest, at least when I've talked to him. So I feel like he would say like, Hey, I'm having an issue Uh, physically that's affecting this. But so I don't think that is necessarily the case, but that's what I think of when I think of a pitcher early on uh, struggling with command and getting hit hard in the first inning is trying to struggle to find that feel for it.
1: Yeah. And another thing I've noticed too, is that he gets ahead of a lot of people, but he hasn't been putting away as many hitters Mm -hmm. that he gets. Oh, two. And I don't know. It's like, he's been throwing that two seamer that sometimes seems to be bleeding over the middle of the plate more than it did before. and, I don't know what that
0: is is that mechanical or what yeah no, i don't know if it's a specific problem with his mechanics or if he's just been missing uh i know that he's been working to try and find a fix for it and you know he thinks that he has found a fix that that he's working on but yeah you're right it, it, it seems like the problem has been um he's getting barreled up a lot more than he used to uh we've Seen in the past, he pretty much lives on that weak contact. Um, the guys who who make contact, but you know, roll over it to third base instead of hammering it to left field. Now, now guys are hammering it to left field instead. So that's really been the issue. Is uh, it, when he misses, he's missing not by small margins, but by large margins. And when he misses out over the plate, as he has so much frequently. Um, he's really getting hit hard and, and he, I mean, he, he, you know, if he has an 88 mile an hour fastball that he's throwing right down the middle, yeah. In in the major leagues, you are going to get hit hard. So, um, it, it really is just a matter of him controlling his pitches the way he wants to. Um, I know that, you know, the book on him coming up to the big leagues was, You know, marginal stuff, and you know a low, low velocity fastball. But he does have great stuff. We know that he has one of the best changeups in the game, and and I think he's got a developing curveball. He has five legitimate pitches uh, that all have decent movement. So uh, once he gets to the point where he's commanding his pitches again, we're going to see another you know stretch of Kyle Hendricks like we know him.
1: Yeah, and one more final thing on it too. I mean, they're throwing around the 847 ERA in the first inning. But the rest of his, you know, innings two through nine, his ERA is like 330. So if he could just kind of fix that first inning problem, he'd be having a fine year.
0: You're making a really good case for what the Rays were doing um, with Sergio Romo as the as the opener. Maybe the Cubs just need, like, Justin Wilson to come out and pitch the first inning and then bring Kyle Hendricks in in the second. That'd just fix everything.
1: Yeah, but then the problem is, is it the first inning in general or is it just the first inning he pitches? And then you get the chicken and egg thing then.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're kind of poking holes in my theory and I don't appreciate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll move on now to their offense is just, the Cubs offense, especially against the Twins, is just on fire. Now, maybe some of that was the Twins pitching, maybe a lot of it. But I really like their approach where they're not really, you know, the home runs are down, but they're hitting a lot more especially going opposite field, but they're really doing a good job with singles and driving in runs.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's really been a contact thing, which has been good to see. Um, they, you know, they're not, you know, the one of the worst teams in the world in striking out, they actually make uh, somewhat decent contact as a unit, but, Um, That has been the problem when you have guys who are like runners in scoring position. Um, So often this season, we found that the Cubs are striking out or they're making weak contact. Uh, So it is really nice to see, um, like the good example is that game against the Twins where it was first first to third, first to third, first to third, first to third, over and over and over. That's what you really want to see with this team. You know, you don't have to have base stealing speed to be, fast and smart on the bases um they don't have to steal a whole bunch of bases like they're the you know the 80s cardinals or whatever the 70s cardinals they they just have to you know do the first to third thing um you know make the intelligent play on the bases which by and large they do Uh, you don't see a whole lot these guys getting thrown out on the bases but um at the same time, you also see you know, a lot of aggressiveness where you know, pretty much Baez, I think that's the best example, uh, a guy who doesn't steal a ton of bases. I know he's on pace for probably about 25, but um, he, he also is going to move to third on a play or, or go home on a play where a lot of other players, you might be like, no, what are you doing? That's a terrible idea. And then somehow he makes it. Uh, so it, it's really that kind of stuff that I think is going to help this team when they're not hitting home runs is that, that aggressiveness on the bases being intelligent, making good contact. I mean that if you do those things, good things are going to happen.
1: Yeah. And you know, we were talking about him a little bit before, but uh, Jason Hayward again, had a pretty good game other than the pop-up where he pretty impressively destroyed his bat. I mean, that was,
0: that was a very impressive destruction.
1: (laughs) I mean, they had to pick up the little tiny pieces for like two minutes after he did it. So, you know, that's good, but,
0: yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, that uh, that at bat outstanding, um, he has been a completely different hitter this year, uh, really since the start of the season. It's something that I've been trying to uh, beat the drum a little bit for, because I know a lot of people noticed that he had kind of a slow start statistically. But even back then, uh, I think he was hitting into a lot of kind of bad luck where he would hit those line drives to left field, but they'd be right at somebody. Or he'd uh, get a hold of one in the air and hit it 100 miles an hour off the bat to right field, but it would go 390 feet for an out. That's the kind of stuff he was doing early this year when his numbers weren't so great. And I was looking at it thinking, man, this is a small sample, but if he can keep doing this you know, over and over and over the rest of the year, you know, process over results, uh, the results will eventually follow. And now that they have, and that's really exciting for him. Uh, it just personally, this guy works so hard and, you know, he took a lot of grief from fans, uh, and, and otherwise, uh, in the first few years of that big contract. And it's really good to see that, you know, that everyone talked about him being broken, myself included, uh, at the plate. And that was the best way to describe what you were seeing, but, Uh, It's really refreshing to see that he wasn't totally broken, that he was able to put it back together and be at least the offensive player that he was before, because that's what you're seeing right now is this is the Jason Hayward of the 2015 Cardinals. He makes good contact. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's actually hitting for a relatively high average. He's getting on base. Doesn't have a ton of power, despite the fact that you would look at him and think he does. But if this is what he is going forward, the Cubs would just have to absolutely be thrilled.
1: You know, he said something interesting that, you know, sometimes I don't listen to the postgame interviews, but I was today and they were interviewing him. And he said something very interesting. He goes, you know, I think I care too much. He goes, I, the, my second at bat was great because I didn't care. I cared too much of my first at bat where he popped out. And I thought it was kind of funny because they were talking about the mental approach that he's been working on with Chili Davis. And you do wonder if he put way too much pressure on himself to come through in all these situations before.
0: Yeah. And obviously that, that can't be the only thing, but uh, I would say that it definitely is likely that 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 was part of it, that this is a guy who does care a lot. And so, when he goes up there, he's putting the pressure of the entire world on him. And you know, how many times in 2016 did we see Jason Hayward come up in a big situation uh, at the plate? And by the, the end of the season, pretty much everyone was just rolling their eyes, knowing exactly what was coming. And, you know, if you and I are sitting there knowing that, um, you know, a, a weak ground ball to second base for an out <laughs> is automatic. What's going on in Jason Hayward's head? I mean, the, these guys to a degree are delusional and think that they're the best at what they do uh, because that's got to be like kind of part of your DNA to make it to Major League Baseball. But at the same time, most of them are self-aware enough and Hayward is definitely intelligent enough. Uh, to be the kind of guy who's self-aware and knew exactly what was going to happen. And that has to be so frustrating for him thinking, just don't ground out to second base, hit it the other way, you know, hit it in the air and then have him do his thing and then have it be the same result over and over and over. That has to just kill you mentally. Uh, So the fact that he has been able to go through essentially two seasons of that, although he was much better in many ways last year. Um, But two, two very under, you know, under major league level uh, seasons at the plate and then be able to come back and rebound this year, especially after a slow start and then a DL stint. Uh, I I think that speaks to how tough he is mentally.
1: You know, it's kind of funny that I uh, thought a good way to transition to this, but I'm going to bring it up because we were talking about Hayward and, you know, the Cardinals, where he was on before, but what is your take on this stuff with Dexter Fowler and John Mozeliak, the president of the Cardinals? What's going on there?
0: Yeah, no, this is something that I talked um, with Sean Sears uh, about on my podcast, Locked On Cubs. Today, um, we talked a little bit about how it's hard to comprehend a, a, a baseball executive going out and making those comments. Now he since clarified what he meant, quote unquote, um, which was really to point those comments at the entire team. But there's no real way to walk that back when he very clearly says about Fowler that people question his effort um, and, and that he can't defend it. I mean, that, that's stuff that you just don't do. And I, my only theory is, is that John Moseleyak, uh he has um, a little bit of a preservation Uh, going on inside where, where he's trying to, you know, really save his own butt. I think Uh, he signed Fowler to that big contract. I think, you know, a lot of Cubs fans, when they saw it, the reaction was kind of like, Oh, good for him. That's great. And I'm all about players going and getting, you know, the most money they can because they deserve it. And Fowler absolutely deserved that money. But looking at it from a management point of view, I didn't think that was a very smart deal for the Cardinals. I, mean, I think a lot of people agreed that it didn't really make a lot of sense for the Cardinals. That at that point, they really needed to, um, you know, try and move some of those veteran players that weren't, you know, guys like Wainwright or Molina who weren't going anywhere. But you know, move a guy like Matt Carpenter and bring in some of these younger players. And now you have a situation where you know, nobody expected this out of Fowler this year. But uh, even if he just regressed a little bit as he ages. They've got Fam in the outfield. They've got Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. And you've got a young kid named Harrison Bader who is, you know, if he plays every day, one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. So you're already at a point where this is a 85-win team that has some good young players and you have a veteran like Fowler who's struggling, that's blocking him. You have to figure out a way to get rid of him. And the way he's performing, you just can't do it other than waving him. And all of that blows back on Mozeliak and the way that he's constructed this team to be extremely mediocre with some aging veterans that make a lot of money rather than playing younger guys like Bader, sucking it up with your 70 win season and really developing your team for the next few years. So I I think that's what's going on is, and he needs to find a way to take the pressure off himself. Uh, And and this is the route that he's gone with is blaming Dexter Fowler and saying that he's not, uh, you know, giving good effort. And then in August when he's not able to trade him, when he puts Fowler on waivers for the next and pays off that next three years of the money, it makes it look just a little bit better on him when fans are blaming Fowler for all that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of does. And also, you know, someone told me a theory, I can't remember who it was, that they thought maybe they just signed Fowler because they were trying to compete with the Cubs. They're trying to, like, go, we could get this guy from the Cubs. Which I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it does seem like now he's doing self-preservation, like you said.
0: Yeah, that um, I I said that at the time um when they signed Fowler that it just seemed like a, a an extra bonus for them like uh, it was a player that they wanted that they thought was a fit and it just so happened they were also stealing him from the cubs which you know in the eyes of that fan base that's a that's a huge bonus and i think that works both ways because it's it's a rivalry you know when when the cubs when when they've signed Jason Hayward, it was an extra awesome bonus, right? For the Cubs fan. Like, yeah, we're getting this guy who's like a six war player and he's a good offensively and he's the best defensive right fielder in the game. He's only 26 and we're stealing him from the Cardinals. Like they just traded for him. They traded Shelby Miller when Miller was still good uh, and, and got this guy. So I think there's a little bit of that on both sides. And I think that was part of what the Cardinals front office were leaning on with that deal was, um, buying a little extra PR by stealing Fowler from the Cubs, this guy who just helped the Cubs win the world series and bring him over to their team. And you know, with all the deals like that, you know, that you know, if it's a five-year deal with Fowler, you're hoping that the first, uh, it's, it's a really tough situation for the Cardinals, which I know Cubs fans listening to this are playing the world's smallest file in, but, uh, it, it's a situation where I really, really expect, that either the Cardinals are going to dump Fowler somewhere, pay all of his salary and trade him, or they're going to uh, give up and waive him this August. And then he'll end up somewhere, which, you know, uh, at that point, if it makes sense, you know, why not the Cubs?
1: Mm. Yeah. And it's one of those things though, too, that just, I mean, not that I, this is going to be shocking. I'm going to praise Co. Epstein here, but, but, um, you know, it was a very similar situation to Jason Hayward on the Cubs, where they give this big commitment and he struggles mightily, but you'd never heard, you know, Theo do this, like try to save his own rep by, you know, going after his player. And it's like, it's like, you know, be a professional. I mean, he's acting like every team's got these fans on the internet that say stuff like this, but you're the president of the team. What are you doing?
0: Right. Yeah. And I've seen other people try and draw this correlation between um, the way fans treated Jason Hayward the last two years versus the way uh, the president of baseball operations of the Cardinals is treating Fowler right now. And you can't draw that correlation because fans are morons. I mean, they are (laughs) just, and we all know that fans are idiots and they're going to do that stuff. And we can sit on a, a a position of knowledge and say, don't do that. Don't treat Jason Hayward that way, but people still did. Um, At the same time. Yeah. you, You can't do that if you're, the President of Baseball Operations, even if it is intended to kind of uh, gloss over your own mistakes and, and say, "No, I was totally in the right to sign this guy to that eighty two million dollar deal. It's his fault for not trying hard enough. That's why we're cutting him right now <laughs> and paying that money, which I think they will inevitably have to do. So, yeah, I, I think that is uh, it, it's really kind of sickening to see uh, them do that and you know, the Cardinals organization in general, I don't have a lot of good things to say about. Um, you know, I, I've been around that team enough that I met some of the employees with that team and they're uh, rubbing me the wrong way. Um, Zeliak has rubbed me the wrong way with previous things that they've done. You know, when I'm not always at the ballpark, but I've been to St. Louis a bunch of times. I've talked to some of their beat writers. I've heard some of the stories you know they they've tried they've tried to railroad Tommy Pham. I mean this is a guy who had an amazing season with them last year and they had to have like closed door meetings with him to tell him to stop talking to the media and stop speaking his mind. I mean they, that that's the kind of stuff that's going on in there and I I can't imagine that that's a an environment that's good for Fowler whereas he was coming from the Cubs where he could really be himself and then going to the Cardinals it just it, it seemed awkward from day one.
1: Yeah, it really did. Well, I guess we'll move on from the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I was thinking something today. Anthony Bass, could this actually be kind of a thing? I think it
0: could. Um, I, I've said before of the guys that have come up from A, he's the one I've been most impressed with. I know that Randy Rosario kind of caught everybody off guard uh, and everyone was kind of on his bandwagon early because uh, he was getting outs. But, you know, he's also... Um, been not missing a lot of bats. He's been walking some guys, whereas uh, you know Bass um, had an okay strikeout rate. Um, uh, last I looked, he hadn't walked anybody. I don't remember if he walked anyone today, or or in maybe a recent appearance. But yeah, either way, not not many walks. Um, he doesn't have a great fastball or a great slider, but the pairing that he has with it, he does well. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is a this is a guy who's been kind of a a nomad in his you know his baseball career, but um, he's definitely one of those guys that could be lightning in a bottle sort of thing, where maybe you get a, a really good season out of him, or um, everything just works really well to where he uses that fastball slider to to have a good season, and then maybe after this year you let him go. I don't I don't think he's like a like they found a long term answer in, in the bullpen or anything, but. Yeah, I I really like this guy. And I I think he should stick around as long as they can keep him on the roster uh, and and let him pitch innings.
1: Yeah, no, well, you know, since we're getting close to the trade deadline, I'll just ask you what moves you think the Cubs are going to make. They, you think they'd probably add like a reliever, maybe a backup catcher, but what do you think they're going to do?
0: Yeah, those are the two things that I think are most pressing a left-handed reliever and a backup catcher which is funny because that's exactly what they did last year, right? They traded with the Tigers for a left-handed reliever and a backup catcher. So, yeah, they're in the position where they kind of need the same thing this year. And that's unfortunately because Justin Wilson has, even though he's been better, uh, he still isn't totally trustworthy. I don't trust Brian Dunsing at all. Uh, I think that his peripherals are really ugly, and they were ugly early in the year, even when he was getting outs. Uh, so you can't trust him. You can't trust Wilson. Montgomery's in the rotation, and I think should probably stay there as long as they can keep him there. And then you've got Rosario, who has been mostly good, but again, a guy who doesn't strike out many batters and has walked some guys. I, I think I, I like his long term projection as a reliever with the organization more than I do with Bass. But uh, at least for right now, I don't trust them. So that's what I would do. I would trade for a left-handed reliever and a backup catcher in a perfect ideal world. Um, I don't know who those guys would be. If I was going to trade for a starter, and I wrote this today for Bet Chicago, I think the guy that makes the most sense is a guy like James Shields. I know a lot of fans don't really like that, but uh, everyone thinks, oh, if we need a starter, we should just go get Chris Archer or Jacob DeGrom that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for where the Cubs are and the kind of prospects they have. Uh, I think if they trade for a starter, Shields is a guy who eats innings. Um, the, the note that I made in the article I wrote was in 11 of his last 12 starts, he's gone at least six innings. Uh, and it's that's not that they're overworking him. He only threw 100 pitches uh, or more six times in those 12 starts. So um, this is a guy who eats innings. And that's really what they need is go out there, give you six or seven innings, save the bullpen, be halfway decent, which over the, that 12-game span, he has a 3.59 ERA, so he's been at least somewhat decent. Um, that'd be a kind of move that I think would be a very low-cost move. Financially, they would only owe about $5 million for this year and $2 million for a buyout next year. Uh, it really would make a lot of sense if they decide to go for a starter.
1: Yeah, and you'd have to assume that, it's somewhat tied into you, Darvish, if he can, what his right. status of his elbow is.
0: Right, and we just don't know that yet, but I would bet that by the end of this month, when the trade deadline comes, the Cubs will know a bit more about how much they can trust him to be on the mound the rest of the year. I don't think they'll have any problem securing a playoff spot without Darvish, but I think they would be, uh, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit in the postseason, not having him healthy, you know, starting game three or game four.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'll ask one more Cubs question and then a fun question. So, okay. uh, you know, Ian Happ has really started to look a lot better, especially after the rough start of the year for him. And, you know, I think they've got, the Cubs have a pretty nice outfield if you think about it.
0: Yeah, um, with Hayward bouncing back the way he has, Schwarber bouncing back the way he has, Almora being what he has been, Zobrist bouncing back, um, even even Ian Hap's early struggles, um, he still strikes out more than I would like. Um, and yeah, he, he still puts up some of the good numbers, but. At the same time, I, I just when I watch him, it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I, I just I, I I'm waiting for the for the strikeout. I know he gets on base. He's been getting on base about as much as Almora. But you know, uh, this is an unpopular opinion, but you know, let's say, you know, a, a runner on second. I'd rather have Almora up there swinging and making contact than and Hap having a higher percentage of walking. You know, with Almora, there's a better chance that he's going to drive that run in. With Hap, it would just be, okay, so maybe he walks and goes down to first base, and occasionally he hits it in play, and that'll get you a hit. I know that's kind of antiquated thinking in a way, but um, it just feels more comfortable with Almora out there uh, for my money. And I, I like that Hap has been better lately. I've been a big believer in Ian Happ for a long time, but the strikeouts have really thrown me off this year. I I did not see that massive spike in strikeouts for him. And um, it, it really is. It's the thing I talked about earlier. The way that this team is going to score runs, even when they're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, even when the sequencing is off a little bit, is by, you know, first and third, first and third, first and third, like they were doing the other day by hitting the ball in play, uh, making the defense actually move. That's the way that they're going to score runs and scratch out runs like they did today. And you know, with Ian Happ, sometimes it's just not there. And, and that's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch.
1: Yeah. So we'll leave the cups for a minute. And now it, times in the past, you've been a movie. I want to say movie reviewer. You've written yeah. articles about movies. So I thought I'd ask you this summer, what movies have you seen that you really liked and would have been disappointing to you?
0: Okay. So, um, let's see, I I guess we can go back as far as infinity war, which came out in, uh, what was it? April. Yeah. Infinity war was great. Um, I'm trying to see what other movies, Deadpool two, Deadpool two was hilarious. Um, I didn't like it as much as I liked the first one, but I think part of that is that uh, if you've seen Deadpool, the first one kind of takes you off guard. You don't think it's going to be as good as it is. You know it's going to be funny because it's Ryan Reynolds and it's Deadpool. If you know the character, you know it's going to be funny and what a little bit what to expect, but I think a lot of people, myself included, didn't expect it to be an actual good film, and so there was higher expectations coming into Deadpool 2. I, I really did like it. It was very good, but not, not quite as much as the first one. Um, beyond that, let's see. Uh, I really like the solo movie. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really well done by Ron Howard. Um, I I'd say of the movies that I have seen, and I I plan on seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp this weekend, the only one that I think I've seen in the theater this so far this summer that I didn't think was a good movie was the Jurassic world movie. And I did enjoy it because I like dinosaurs and I love the Jurassic park franchise, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was objectively a a poorly done film. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it was kind of just like, there are moments where it was cringeworthy and where it was like, wow, this is where, this is where we've gone with this, huh? But you know, overall it was, it was fun and I enjoyed myself.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to that. Like I think next week, but I was watching the preview for it. I'm like, this seems a little over the top, even for one of these kind of movies.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, there are plot holes where you think about it, and you're just like, "Huh, that doesn't make any sense." And then, I mean, you just have to kind of throw throw your ideas about what is a good movie just just throw it out of your mind and think, "I'm going to go watch Dinosaurs Eat People," and and if that's your expectation, I think you'd be happy with it. It's, you know, for my money, the original Jurassic Park is one of the best films ever created. Like, uh, you know, if you check all the boxes on what makes a great movie. It's absolutely in the you know top 15 of greatest movies ever made, in my opinion. The Lost World doesn't get anywhere close to that, but it's still a pretty fun dinosaur movie that puts you on the edge of your seat and you don't know what to expect, where people who, in that movie more than any of the others, people who are not necessarily a bad guy, die. And so that that leaves you kind of like... Unexpecting of what's going to happen. The rest of the movies are all so predictable. and uh, You know, like, they, they establish really early that somebody's an, a inherently a bad person, so you're like, well, that guy's going to die. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it's really contrived. And, you know, the only cool thing about the the Jurassic World movies is just, hey, there's dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, and the thing about that, too, yeah, like, that. the first movie bought so much goodwill that there's a ton of people... Be included it like, oh it's Jurassic Park we gotta go to that
0: right yeah been, and what other franchises done that where you've you know one movie bought so much goodwill that you would just keep going I mean I, I like The Lost World a lot but it's been three three pretty big stinkers since the first two so yeah I don't know
1: I, I am really proud of myself as a kid now I probably shouldn't have gone to Jurassic Park when I was eight <laughs> but yeah. I went to uh, I went to Jurassic Park and Wayne's World the original Wayne's World like back-to-back. Back. Oh, wow. I was very proud
0: of myself. Yeah, I didn't see the original Jurassic Park when it came out. I think I was seven. But yeah, I didn't see it when it first came out. I saw it um, on VHS. I don't know if any of our listeners know what that is. And yeah, I watched it at home, and then I saw The Lost World four years later when I was 11. I saw that in the theater sitting in the front row. I was very excited about that. But yeah, it's... Uh, uh, movies, movies from the past. Wayne's World—that's a good one too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. I used to, uh, used to have a job where I, that was my full-time job, where I wrote pretty much about movies and TV and nerd stuff. And unfortunately, that that company has uh, had to have a whole lot of cutbacks, and I was uh, a part of that. So I don't get to do that full-time anymore. But I still, still enjoy going to the movies and sometimes writing about them on my own website. So you know, you, you can find that stuff if you're looking for it.
1: Yep, well, I think that's a good note to end it on. Uh, go see Jurassic, the new Jurassic Park movie. It's going to suck, but you'll have a good time.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that's what you should expect when you go to those movies. It's not going to be good, but you'll enjoy yourself.
1: Yep, all right. Well, thank you for coming on. Anytime. All right, that's it for the pod today. Um, you know, if you have any messages you want to send me, the email for my podcast is holycowpod at gmail. You can also uh, send me messages at STH85 on Twitter. It's my Twitter handle. If you want to follow me or whatever, go ahead and do that too. Um, We're available on iTunes, Holy Cow Pod. You can subscribe on there, and you can also rate and review my podcast on iTunes. So I know that somebody's listening, and we'll have another episode soon. Thank you for listening.